Hello, and welcome to Wayward Witch, a pagan podcast. My name is Miranda, and I'll be guiding you along this journey to explore non-denominational witchcraft for the modern practitioner every Tuesday, even though for today, we're doing it on a Wednesday. You can find us on your preferred podcast provider or by following the links on Twitter at WayWitchCast or on Facebook and Instagram at WayWitchPodcast. Feel free to reach out for concerns, questions, or even just a chit-chat, as I do love to hear from all of you. Let's walk this path together. Hi there, witchlings. It's been discussed with me back in August that since I personally practice heathenry, and some of my listener base has been interested in it as well, that I would go ahead and do a whole month dedicated to the Norse practices in modern times, with some insight on the way that it was practiced in the past. Therefore, welcome to Norse November. I know a lot of you were a bit saddened to notice that last week I did not include a Halloween or Samhain special, but if you've been following along, you would know that I've been having a bit of a battle with the powers of technology. Hopefully, things are becoming a little bit better. Cross your fingers. Today, we're going to cover some of the basic concepts of heathen worship in history. Before I do, though, I want to repeat something that I stated in a previous episode way back. If you are seeking out heathen worship as a means to validate your white supremacist ideology, this is not the right place for you. I am fully aware that many people associate heathenry with terrorist groups, such as the Aryan Brotherhood and certain forms of Odinism, But I am stating clearly and concisely that I, and many other heathens, do not associate with, nor validate the practice of, white supremacists hiding behind a faith that they have manipulated into fitting an agenda seeking out to oppress or eradicate people who do not fit their preferred amount of melanin. Voicing opposition to such ideology is not political and motive whatsoever, seeing as advocating for the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness of all people is not a political stance. If you personally believe that being against genocide, mass deportation of people based on skin color, and no, I'm not talking about citizenship status, I'm talking, quote, go back to Africa, quote, that the equal treatment of all people based on their merit as decent human beings then I suggest you go and cry on the chans about it. We're not taking that route here. Continuing on. Norse deities and spirits are honored in sacrificial rites known as blots, in which food and libations are offered to them. These are accompanied by simbel, the act of ceremonially toasting the gods with an alcoholic beverage, Some practitioners also engage in rituals designed to induce an altered state of consciousness and visions, most notably Cider and Galder, with the intent of gaining wisdom and advice from the deities. Although many solitary practitioners follow the religion by themselves, members of the heathen community often assemble in small groups, usually known as kindreds or hearths, to perform their rites outdoors or in specially constructed buildings. Heathen ethical systems emphasize honor, personal integrity, and loyalty, while beliefs about an afterlife vary and are rarely emphasized. Heathens focusing on Scandinavian sources sometimes use asatru, meaning allegiance to the Aesir, vanatru, those who honor the Vanir, or foreign said, 
formerly known as the Swedish Asatru Assembly. Practitioners focusing on Anglo-Saxon traditions use Fjernsidu, which is Old English for Old Custom, or Theodism, meaning Tribal Belief. Those emphasizing Germanic traditions use Ermanism, a movement similar to Asatru, yet it centers itself around the Ermin Sul itself. And those heathens who espouse folkish and far-right perspectives tend to favor the terms Odinism, Voltanism, Vodanism, or Odalism, which focuses on the worship of Odin before the other gods, as well as a particular focus on race being a part of it, that your European ancestry is what ties you to this faith. It's really racially exclusive. Um, but we're not talking about that as previously stated. In Old Norse, the Aesir are the principal gods of the Norse pantheon, focusing on governance and prowess. Among the Aesir are more famous figures found in the Scandinavian tales, such as Odin, Frigg, Thor, Baldr, and Tyr. These Norse gods are understood to dwell in Asgard, a realm separated from the the mortal world, which is known as Midgard, by Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge. The Vanir are a group of gods associated with nature, fertility, wisdom, and the ability to see the future inhale from Vanaheimr, Old Norse meaning home of the Vanir. The simple principle of it all is that the heathen faiths are all called many things when you get into specifics, but they all have the same basic principles and deities across the board, just under different names for their sects in order to easily label and define which region's practices you're following. Heathens look to the prose and poetic eddas as a glimpse into the past in regards to the way our ancestors worshipped and honored the gods. The Poetic Edda is the modern attribution for an unnamed collection of Old Norse poems. Several versions exist, all consisting primarily of text from the Icelandic medieval manuscript known as the Codex Regius, or King's Book. The Prose Edda, also known as the Younger Edda, Snorri's Edda, or simply Edda, is an Old Norse work of literature written in Icelandic in the early 13th century. Together with the Poetic Edda, it comprises the major store of Scandinavian mythology. The work is often assumed to have been written, or at least compiled, by the Icelandic scholar and historian Snorri Sturluson around the year 1220. The Prose Edda is related to the Poetic Edda in that the Prose Edda cites various poems collected in the Poetic Edda as sources. One of the most beloved and sacred texts within the Codex Rexius is Havmal, meaning sayings of the High One and possibly sayings of the One-Eyed. It's presented as a singular poem within the text, but you'd be surprised going into it with that thinking considering its length is 164 stanzas of homely wisdom, counsels, and magic, magic charms that are ascribed to Odin. The most commonly shared excerpt from Havmal is the stanza stating, quote, Cattle die, kinsmen die, the self must also die. I know one thing which never dies, the reputation of each dead man. 
This particular portion of text is used even at the end of the song Helvagen by Wardruna in its native tongue, which many of you have heard through social media under the oh-so-wrong description of Ancient Norse Funeral Song. While it's beautiful, haunting, and absolutely incredible, it definitely isn't ancient. This particular stanza reminds us that we need to live a life of honor and high merit, because when we die and return to the ground, the only thing we leave behind is our reputation, whether good or bad, to live on in our absence. In the same vein, it's important to understand that heathenry focuses not only on self-reliance and valiance, but in being valuable, trusted members of our communities, loving and protecting members of our families, and individuals that live a life of no regrets to leave behind when we will all one day perish. Not only is self-accountability highly regarded, but our interpersonal accountability and trustworthiness is paramount. After all, a man is only as good as his word. I also want to remind everyone listening that while I understand that a lot of you really like the show Vikings and Viking culture as a whole, not all who worshipped the Norse gods were Vikings. I know, that probably breaks your heart. Just wait until next week when I explain about how you're probably not going to Valhalla, and that's okay. (laughs) According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, Vikings, also known as Norsemen or Northmen, were members of the Scandinavian seafaring warriors who raided and colonized wide areas of Europe from the 9th to the 11th century, and whose disruptive influence profoundly affected European history. These pagans, dis- these pagan Danish, Norwegian, and Swedish warriors were probably prompted to undertake these raids by a combination of factors ranging from overpopulation at home to the relative helplessness of victims abroad. I do want to kind of segue here to expand on that a little bit in regarding of something I have recently learned. A lot of the reason why Vikings went and raided and pillaged and did what they did overseas um, was due to the lack of women within their communities. There was a larger percentage of men versus women, and in order to keep the population going, they had to go elsewhere to um, forcefully take some women as wives. It's obviously not something I agree with. It's obviously not something that you know anybody agrees with, but it is historically accurate. So I figured I'd share that little bit of information. (laughs) Continuing on, uh, the Vikings were made up of landowning chieftains and clan heads. Their retainers, freemen, and any energetic young clan members who sought adventure and booty overseas. At home, these Scandinavians were independent farmers, but at sea they were raiders and pillagers. During the Viking period, the Scandinavian countries seemed to have possessed a practically inexhaustible surplus of manpower and leaders of ability who could organize groups of warriors who who were into conquering bands and armies, which were seldom lacking. These bands would negotiate the seas in their longships and mount, and, mount hit-and-run raids at cities in towns across the coasts of Europe. Their burning, plundering, and killing earned them the name Vikinger, meaning pirate, in the early Scandinavian languages. Therefore, Vikings were all Scandinavian, but not all Scandinavians were Vikings. The term Viking applied only to those who took to the sea for the purpose of acquiring wealth by raiding the other lands, 
and the word was primarily used by the English writers, not exclusively by other countries. Another interesting thing that's made circles around the social media circuit is the role of women in Norse society and the rights that they had that were so vastly foreign to the rest of the world during a time when absolute subservience and obedience was expected of women at all costs. Even though women were still considered inferior to men in Norse society, the common level of sub subjugation at the time across most of Europe was not imposed on them. According to the National Museum of Denmark, the women could, for example, demand a divorce if her husband settled in a new country whilst on his travels, but only if the man neglected to bed his wife for three years. The aim of this was to secure the wife against a life of loneliness. The most typical grounds for divorce were, however, sudden poverty in the man's family or violence on part of the husband. If a man struck his wife three times, she could demand a divorce. Women could inherit property, choose where and how to live if unmarried, represented themselves in legal cases, and own their own businesses, such as breweries, taverns, shops, and farms. Women were the prophetesses of either the goddess Freya or the god Odin, and interpreted the gods' messages for the people. These female religious leaders were known as the Cider or Cirruses, and while there are accounts of men practicing this form of sorcery, or as some scholars argue, shamanism, it was a major social taboo for them to do so because it marked them as feminine and unmanly. It was kind of their equivalent of using the, the slur, you're so gay, back in the day. This association with magic and the fact that female Viking graves have been found to contain keys that were typically used for cupboards that held textiles and coins that could be used, that could be considered currency, is where the little Tumblr thread that so many of us source the idea that women controlled the finances in Viking households because they were considered magical. However, this probably wasn't the case. Sorry, ladies. If you wish to look deeper into the history, lore, and language of Norse culture and practice, I highly suggest you look into Dr. Jackson Crawford on YouTube. He's a professor with a PhD in Norse studies and is an absolute goldmine for information regarding all the topics we're going over this month. He also personally um, translated the Poetic and Prose Eddas. You can buy those books on Amazon. You can find them in a lot of bookstores. It's really common. Um, he's very well known and beloved in, in the heathen community as a source of knowledge. However, if it's important to you, and hopefully it's not, um, he does state in a particular video that he himself is not a heathen, um, which I personally like. I like to get a little bit of a of a step back away from the faith aspect of it to just get cold, hard historical facts. So if you are into that as well, go ahead, listen to him. He's got a voice like butter. I personally call him um, the, the cowboy Viking. <laughs> but yeah, definitely go, go check him out. Um, I'll, I'll leave links on, on the book of faces and through Twitter. And I'll probably post to, to Instagram about it as well. As always, thank you for listening in. It's been a bit of a doozy. Um, still trying to get over some of the 
the technological issues, but things have seemed to go a little bit more swimmingly this week, even though I am a little bit late. Um, again, I want to apologize for not being able to do the Samhain episode. Technology is not my friend here lately. Um, I do know that one person, it was my sister, so don't worry about it, reached out and got, got a little upset with me and yelled at me and asked that um, I do some kind of little excerpt on, on Samhain today. So that's my excerpt. Uh, oops. <laughs> on the bright side, that does give me a little time next year to go ahead and, and do the Samhain episode because we're currently going through all of the the holidays within the, the Wheel of the Year, as the Wiccans call it, um, as, as they come around. And if I'm doing that all this year, then I'm not going to have anything next year. So now I have to hold you captive for another whole 11 months <laughs> in order to, you know, do the episode. But I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have quite a vast knowledge on on the festivities of that day, seeing as it appears to be most people's favorite. Um, but regardless, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Um, still working on Patreon, uh, trying to get that organized, trying to figure out what you guys would all want as far as content goes, um, or if you just want to donate and call it a day, if you want shoutouts. Um, I do have a Discord server that I am currently working on. It will be a Patreon exclusive thing, so there's that. Um, other than that, yeah. Thank you, as always. Really, thank you. Thank you, thank you. But, as per usual, witchlings, never forget. Be kind. Be brave. Be unstoppable. I'll see you next time.